find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. Yo, yo, what up, y'all? Another brand new episode is headed your way. That would be the world famous Behind the Baller podcast. Yes, indeed. This is a Dust Brothers production. Miles Davis, Jordan Winter, my two producers, aka the podcast producers of the year. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. Also known as the Korean John Cusack, also known as the Wash Lord. Also known as the Forrest Gump of hip hop. And that name right there was pretty much given to me by a man I'd like to speak about right now. Um, BTB Army was good, y'all. Hope you had a great weekend. Um, definitely bittersweet. A lot going on, a lot of emotions. Friday morning, I had found out that a very dear friend of mine. I don't use that word very loosely. Um, I've said on this show many times that I have a million acquaintances and very few friends. You can't necessarily go by social media for certain things about my life. If you tried to base my life off of social media, you might not get a real accurate response. If you saw my private page social media, you might get a little bit more, but you'd have to know me for so many years. I think even Jordan and Miles, and we've become so close in the last three years, they know a bit of me, but I think even sometimes, sometimes Jordan is one of the most supportive people I know in my life. And I think sometimes he's like, Ben is absolutely fucking crazy. And at the same time too, it's like, it never seems to amaze me who you know, who you come in contact with or something. And that's somebody who I talk to every single fucking day. So can you imagine for the people that have known me for 30 some odd years, Rest in peace, Netic. Oh man, where the fuck do I even begin? I'm I'm just so I'm floored. A brilliant soul was that of Netic. Uh, you know, I, I met Netic. Fuck, man. Almost 15 years ago, and you know what the crazy part is? I met Netic through a scumbag. <laughs> It's fucking unbelievable. I met Netic through a fucking scammer. Like, of all the fucking people that I could have met Netic through, I met him through a fucking scammer. Like, I can't believe it. You know, in fact, the people, this is before social media was really popular and prominent, you know, it was the daily life of people's, you know, MySpace was definitely addicting and stuff, but like, we didn't spend that kind of time on our on our phones and MySpace wasn't really mobile friendly. You know, you went to your computer. That was when people were using AIM. That's AOL Instant Messenger, which was a, very often that I used that. And, you know, you had a sidekick, you had whatever. You had the internet on your phone, kind of, if you had, if you had a sidekick or if you had a, a two-way, but it wasn't the same. You didn't have it. It wasn't until really the iPhone. Um, I had a BlackBerry, you know, and I had a BlackBerry with, with internet access. This wasn't the same as having what the iPhone could do now. And plus, of course, what the Joy could do now. But, you know, we weren't on our phones like that. But this guy, Ahmad Arfania, he was a 100% Ponzi scheme, scumbag piece of shit. He would literally pull up in front of like buildings and say he owned them. And they'd just be an open land lot, like just be a lot be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I own this building, but whatever. Uh, I got this, this, and this going on. He'd say he had 200, 300 employees. He's just fucking, everything he said was a fucking lie. And it was insane. And um, somehow, some way, he had convinced my boy Ryan Grant, who I've mentioned on the show many times, um, my boy Ryan Grant was the starting running back for the Green Bay Packers, also played for the New York Giants. He is still a dear friend now. Um, Nedek is his blood brother, right? And um, just just a, a, a crazy situation, but Ahmad was able to finesse I think maybe a couple million dollars out of uh, Netic and Ahmad. I mean, Netic and uh, Grant, Brian Grant. Uh, and um, 
just fucking crazy that we had met through that scammer and then we had become close because of the situation that had happened. And, um, you know, Nedek's cousin and Ryan's cousin, uh, Nelson, is uh, locked up right now. Hold your head, Nelson, man. That's my boy. Anytime you see me in New York City and you see a crazy-ass Dominican motherfucker next to me, I'm sorry, Puerto Rican motherfucker, is Nelson. Real, real, real G, a motherfucking beast on them two wheels. He is uh, in an unfortunate situation now. I've just been just, it's just crazy what's been going on. But Nedek is, uh, again, a dear friend. This man had read a shit ton of books. This man was against the vaccine. This man was against so many different things. Hates Biden, hates certain things. I mean, if anything, I don't think he loved Donald Trump, but he loved, you know, the just the way he thought. Now, he wasn't Hotep at all, but brilliant fucking man, you know? And you don't have to be on somebody's exact side to understand where they're coming from, you know? We would argue about the vaccine here and there, but it's like, I he understood, you know? I'm not necessarily all the way left or right. And if anything, obviously right or left, really right, kind of right in the middle. And um, if anything, he's right in the middle too, but he's not a Republican or, or Democrat in any which way. And he was just a free spirit. Brilliant, again, extremely brilliant mind. Yogi, which um, for those who don't know, is a person who does yoga, that lifestyle, BJJ fanatic, um, was in a punk rock band, a black punk rock band, which is made even doper, called Game Rebellion. They were fucking amazing. Um, Nedic did not drink or smoke, which was wild because he just, just didn't. And it didn't bother me that he didn't. It was a trip. And he, again, just so eloquent and, and so educated. You know, he read a lot. And his vocabulary was so vast. And he just, you know, I threw one of these words because it was the best way to describe him. But he was a man of great probity, you know. And, you know, that means a man of high virtue, you know, and, and just super intellectual. He was somebody I could bring anywhere great dresser good looking dude this motherfucker had an eight pack he's one of the most fit guys I've ever seen in my entire life his brother playing the fucking nfl did not have a body like he did it's crazy what this dude you know and um we would argue about silly shit sometimes and like you know um he was definitely very brooklyn you know he's from new york and he's just he, i just cannot believe my man is gone and the last time we uh, we spoke, obviously, was when we were in uh, Tulum. And um, he, for some reason, I thought he was building properties in Cabo. Because I know him and his brother Ryan were building properties out there. My boy Nelson, who I'm always with every time I'm in New York City, you see me somewhere, it's always Nelson. It was uh, a weird situation. They were building properties, real estate, rental, um, studio, all kinds of things you can think of in Tulum. And they got the jump on it. And the crazy part is they're in areas where like they had to build a road to drive to the fucking place, you know? My boy Nelson had to build the damn near driveway to get to this place. And um, without getting into too much with respect for the family, but this is something I know I can speak on. There was a, a botched attempted robbery. And unfortunately, my man, Nedek, uh, didn't make it. He was shot twice in the stomach. He was able to, to get to, you know, call 911 and um, the paramedics got over, got him to the hospital. He didn't make it. This man was very kind to my children. This man spoke to my wife very often. He would send the greatest messages to Nicolette. Nicolette, in some ways, seems more devastated than I am. And I think I've said this before with so much tragic loss in my life, with losing my best friends and losing family members and just you know, accepting my mortality didn't make me less fearful of death. But, you know, morbid or not, I don't know if morbid even exists in my head anymore, my mind, because I've experienced so much loss of life and such little shocks me, right? I have no notes. This is just straight from the heart, freestyle, 
um, speaking about a man that I loved a lot, he always had my back regardless. And I can say that this man loved me unconditionally, which is crazy because I can't say that about a lot of people, right? Except me and my mom, you know, and, and, you know, even, you know, there's so few people and I don't judge anybody for not, you know, I'm a tough person to love, but I remember when I was dating the wrong girls, he was all for it. It was all good until he saw the red flags and this guy, hey bro, now, now. And the funny thing about Netic is he loved women, loved women like beyond, like he didn't necessarily want to be in a committed relationship, didn't necessarily want to be married, but he loved women and, and, and he'd give them the, it just was something about it. Just, just the way he lived, man, he was a different type of nomad, right? He wasn't a gypsy in any which way. You know, this man understood what lavish things were. He loved Tesla. He's a funny dude, man. But again, very brilliant, a lover of music, uh, unbelievable. The way he articulated hip hop at times, like the way he spoke about Andre 3000 to the way he spoke about Lil Wayne, mixtape Wheezy, that era, you know, Jesus Christ, I just remembered right now, there was a band that was signed to Duck Down Records and Duck Down Records, Duck Down Music was like real legit fucking underground, you know, hip hop. And they've been around. So I'm talking about Black Moon, Smith & Wesson, you know, Buckshot, Shorty, all that. Uh, Sean Price, you know, uh, uh, some of these legendary dudes in hip hop. There is a group called Kids in the Hall. And their second album, which I, I think might have been their first uh, major label album, whatever, but their second album was called The In Crowd. Double O and Knowledge, two rappers in the group. They had a video called Love Hangover featuring Estelle. And this was right when Estelle was kind of blowing up. She had that song, All American Boy, um, with Kanye. I was a fucking, I made a cameo in the video and so did Netic. And it was just fucking hilarious, right? And we were just shooting this video in Los Angeles at Greg Gorman Studios, which now I think is Rock Nation. And we just had a lot of conversations and, and great, you know, food together. And, um, I cherish every moment that I spent with him. You know, Ryan was definitely more into more of the lavish things, right? Like Ryan would, have, Ryan would never go get a Ferrari necessarily. I'm sure he could buy 10 of them if he wanted to, but Ryan would do an R8. He'll do a Porsche. He'll do certain things. He just was getting the Ferrari and Lamborghini was a little too like, this wasn't his style, but he, you know, he'll wear St. Laurent. He liked nice things. And, you know, these guys, they could live larger than they did, but they lived very large. And, they, and, and Ryan lives a great life. What makes me sad is uh, Ryan's two daughters were Netic's nieces, and those were like his kids. He loved them more than anything in the world. And I can't imagine what they're going through right now. I can't imagine what Ryan's going through. And I've spoken to Ryan a couple times already. As soon as Ryan heard the news, he flew immediately to Mexico, and uh, he's flying back today. I, um, I, I'm just at a loss of words. I, I, some of you people out here are like, what the fuck is Ben talking about? And this is my podcast. And I want you guys to understand that Netic Rebel was a fucking amazing person. Keeping the um, government name private because uh, he was definitely, you know, um, I wouldn't say sovereign, but, you know, he he's definitely wanted his privacy and it was cool, you know. He, he had his persona and that's it. But Netic, I, I miss you. You'll be terribly missed by so many. You touch so many people. Can't tell you how many people reached out to me. Uh, your soul will live on forever. Your energy will live on forever. I'm mostly sad that my kids won't get to know you better and won't grow with you as well as you grow with my kids. That's what hurts me the most. My wife is, I mean, truly devastated. Um, I appreciate everything that you've done the motivation you've given me. You would have been a great podcast guest. Jesus Christ, you would have been fucking amazing. You, I, I wish I could speak as well as you do. I mean, it just was, oh man, that is crazy. Um, I just spoke to you, what, a week ago? Less than that, right? Probably three days before you passed. 
We talked all throughout the cruise when I shouldn't have been talking, right? And you were like, what kind of fucking cruise is this, right? You were bugged out. And um, you didn't get to meet Kaya. That's what also bums me out so much, man. Guys, as cliche as it may sound, tomorrow's not promised. You know what, motherfuckers? Tonight is not promised. Gotta live your life, man. You want to wear your best shit to the grocery store to get some coffee? Go do it. You ain't got to say it for a fucking nightclub or for the 10-year reunion or 20-year reunion for a special day. Every day is a fucking special day. Remember that. All right. Let me hear some music real quick, Miles, man. Let me just collect my thoughts and drink some water and we'll get right back into the show. On a more positive note, um, I'd like to thank every single person that showed up to my Bathing Ape collab. When I got to the venue, which is around 10.45 a.m., there was about maybe 45 people outside. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, this is cool. There was, you know, very limited amount of shirts. There's a couple hundred. And um, I didn't have to go outside at all, ever. I didn't really go outside. And so once we started... Um, some guy from Chicago, so calls himself the living NFT. He had arrived to LA at 11.55 PM from Chicago. He, I guess maybe stopped to get some food and came directly to the babe store and slept outside the babe store. No cap. There was witnesses and everything. My thing is how the fuck do you use the restroom? Especially, you know what I'm saying? I admire people like that who don't have to take a shit, don't have to whatever. It's, it's fucking amazing. I could never do it. It's just crazy. And he was my first customer, and I blessed him with a ton of shit. He brought a bunch of cards. We, I signed a bunch of things for him. And, um, you know, after taking pictures, signing everything, it was a great meet and greet. I think maybe only one or two people didn't buy a T-shirt that I signed. They just showed up just to meet me, and they waited in line quite a long time. And I was signing autographs and um, taking pictures about an hour and 15 minutes. And um, one of my big followers shows up, and he says, yo, man, there's hella people outside. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, hella people. I'm like, fuck. Because I was there from 11 to 1 pretty much. That's what I'm going to do, the two hours. And, you know, the T-shirt sold out. But I went back outside after he said that, and I handed every single person at least a sticker. Because, you know, they were trying to charge $25 for a sticker. And they were great stickers, but come on, man, $25 is crazy, right? But then again, you know, Bape is very expensive. You know, the small chain was 10000 The bigger chain's 30000 uh, the T-shirts were $120, $125, whatever, plus tax. You know, it's an expensive thing, but it was it was a very big milestone in my life to have this Bathing Ape collaboration. I have not decided yet if we are going to do a New York one. If we do it, it'll only be um, maybe be the most extremely limited, like few pieces, but, you know, different color shirt, different design. And then Tokyo is the one that I really care about because that's flagship. That's the, um, that's the Mecca um, in Shibuya. So I, I just want to, right now, I want to say how much gratitude I have, how grateful I am for all those BTB members who have mentioned that they are part of the BTB army that pulled up. I know I said I'd give the first 50 um, something. I must have gave the first 70 something, right? Even more than that. Any person that mentioned that they're a super follower of mine definitely got blessed with more. The first three or four people definitely got a lot of shit. You know, I gave you guys some signed Otani cards, signed Mike Trout cards, but um, the collab overall was amazing. I'm so glad to get over this weekend, but at the same time, I'm so sad still that my friend Nedek was murdered in cold blood and it's just, we're gonna fucking find out what the fuck happened. Um, but yeah, right after that, headed out, went back home. I took about a 45 minute nap. I got fresh. Thank God to my boy, Jesse, the best car auto detailer in the world. Got the Tesla whipped up real nice, beamed it up wax, you know, little clay job and got me right to the quick strike and, um, you know, charged up 347 miles on the range, left Hollywood, got to Rosemead, California and pulled up to, uh, I forgot the name, is it Inotech or something? And it was a really cool event because 
there was less new exotics than I've ever had a quick strike in my entire life. I would say there are maybe two new body exotics. And that means like 2020 or newer, there's maybe a couple. So there are those, you know, Liberty Walk, um, Acura NSX, fucking gorgeous. There's a, you know, a couple of Mercedes GTs. There's a couple older, you know, there's like three or four Murcielagos. There's like four or five Ferraris. There are older ones, 488s, 458s, 360s. Um, Cullinan's Alex Choi pulled up in his crazy Huracan. There was a crazy ass fucking uh, 1200 horsepower GTR. There was a 1200 horsepower uh, Grand National. There was all kinds of cars. But, you know, it was a car community. My boy Keys of the Jungle pulled up. It was a good day. It was a good night. It was a good event. And from there, in bad traffic, we drove straight to my hood to Koreatown. And we went to the H Mart Plaza where CGV is. Actually, used to be called the Marang Plaza. And Marang was one of the high-end Korean barbecue joints in LA. It's not there anymore now. But this H Mart Plaza, I forgot how lit it was. And now CGV Cinemas, again, guys, is the AMC theaters of Korea. Anytime there's a big feature Korean film, please believe it's going to be featured. It's going to be showing in real time at CGV Cinemas in Koreatown. A lot of parking. (laughs) I don't think that place has ever seen that level of shit show. It was a fucking disaster. Some motherfuckers revving their engines, acting crazy. But um, there was a Korean street food vendor in there. And I got to say, they had some motherfucking tteokbokki. They had fucking, um, uh, they had uh, samgyeopsal. They had, um, you know, bulgogi, chicken teriyaki, volcano fries. I'm trying to think of what else. They had so much shit. It was like DDM, you know, it was like Dongdaemun, like street food, Korean street food. And it was really good. It was fucking really, really, really good. I was surprised. They had fucking teji bulgogi. It was fucking amazing. Over rice, fairly priced. You know, they got a Paris baguette there. A few other boba spots. Uh, obviously, H Mart, which is one of the greatest fucking, you know, Asian markets. They got a Daiso in there. For all you new parents that are in LA and want to bring your kids somewhere to play and you want to eat and have Wi-Fi and chill while they play, there's a place called Lemon Tree in there. And they were the one of the first people to have places like that where you can go indoor playground, kids can play and you could kick it. Their fucking food is very decent. Their motherfuckers have some good ass fucking... Uh, fettuccine they got some bomb pizzas they got like sandwiches i would chill in there and kick it all the time with london it was lit but uh they got a somi in there which is one of my favorite fucking ice cream places had that big fish cone with the not fish flavor but just like a fish shaped cone with fucking nutella in there it's oh my god so fucking good uh what else they got a karaoke bar in there but cgv cinemas has couple seating reclining seats you know they got gourmet food kettle corn they got like, you know, high, it's like Arclight. They got all high-end shit. And I like, you know, of course they still got Coke and stuff, but they got like just great fucking place. And uh, Rob Wang, you know, one of the head guys at Platinum Motorsport, and he founded the Quick Strike. He set this up to where we rented out the entire CGV cinema. Uh, one, there's only three theaters. There's one, one entire theater. So we could watch Dr. Strangelove, Mr. Jordan Winter's favorite, right? Um, I couldn't stay because Kaya was kind of feeling a little bit under the weather, but it was an amazing event. I stayed until they started the movie. I wish I could have watched the movie. I wish, I wish I could have brought both the boys. It'd have been a great fucking event. I could have, you know, cause I had the Tesla, but my boys had a play date that day. There was a lot going on. So Saturday was a long day and I was still kind of having netic in the back of my mind, but that was probably the fucking dopest quick strike that we have ever, ever had. No cap. That shit was incredible. Now, Sunday morning, felt like I had lifted a million bricks off my back, but at the same time, Ryder woke me up at 6.30, um, netic on my mind, of course, but I knew I had nothing else to do that entire day except spend time with the women that are most important in my life, and that's my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, three people, three women who do so much for me in my life that I, do, that I love to, you know, extreme levels of just the definition of the word love. I, um, you know, got up, made sure all three of them had something beautiful to open up. And we had a Mother's Day brunch at Chosung Galbi. Now, normally we'd be at the Beverly Hills Hotel, the Hotel Bel Air, the Four Seasons, something like that. 
um, maybe, you know, different places. But my mother-in-law and Nicolette now love fucking Korean barbecue. And I know it's crazy because when me and Nick first started dating, we would go a lot, but you know, she did not eat red meat. She didn't eat meat pretty much at all. So now that Nicolette is eating red meat, you know, she loves Korean barbecue. She loves it. And Chosun was perfect. You know, the right ambiance, the architecture there, the seating. It was fucking a movie. My mom had to fucking pull teeth in order to get us a fucking reservation there. And it was like somewhat last minute. It was like 10 days. It was, people were booking fucking eight weeks in advance. And uh, we usually get a private room, but it was, it's not going to happen. I was excited to have, you know, table for 11 because we got, you know, big family, brother-in-law and his wife and his kids. Oh, his daughter, sorry. But we went to Chosun. And let me update you guys. The Karbichim is so fucking good. I wanted to stab someone. And the funny thing is, there's a little spot that me and Miles and Dust Brothers have been going to. And it's all right. It's okay. It just does the job. You know, it's 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 priced a little expensive. That's how Korean barbecue is. But it's like you go there and then you go to Chosun and it's like, come on. Quarters is another level, of di- but it's different type of shit. You know, they're more, um, not necessarily fusion, but they're more up to date on the latest trends with food. And they also mix, you know, styles and they they put cheese and they got all this other fresh shit and it's bomb. Chosun is more fancy tradition. And I had to have kimchi jjigae. And it had just amount of the perfect amount of thuk in it. And the kimchi was just the right spice. All the panchan was good as hell. The fucking Chosun Galbi signature dish was like just ribeye cubes of, you know, it was just like it was perfect. It was it was literally just perfect. Roskui was perfect. You know, the Teji Bulgogi was perfect. What else the fuck did I get? Of course, we got regular Bulgogi. We got um why the fuck am I drawing blank? Did we get any brisket? No. It was really good. It was a good time. And and I didn't notice that my wife was like, yeah, a lot of people are looking at us. And, you know, it's been maybe three and a half years since I've been a Chosun. It had been at least a year or two before I even, since, you know, during the pandemic, I didn't go there, nothing. And one crazy thing that I was thinking about was my mom, you know, she drives a modern Japanese car. Well, I could say, I guess a luxury Japanese car. And there's, Obviously, navigation in there. She has an iPhone. My mom does not use the navigation. I've tried to show her a million times, type in this, boom, it's simple, even on the car. My mom literally is on some Thomas Guide shit. Now, if you aren't even 30-something years old, you probably won't even know what the fuck a Thomas Guide was. But before navigation ever existed in America, there was a thing called the Thomas Guide, which is a map. And my mom just knows what exits and certain things to take. There's no GPS. It's crazy because she gets to where she needs to get to. And she doesn't know about traffic. The thing with me is, I know how to get everywhere in LA. There's not a fucking place I don't know how to get to. Literally, especially in central Los Angeles, right? But I use GPS all the time so I know what traffic I'm dealing with. That's the reason why. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, amazing Mother's Day. And then we just chilled uh, at the house. And, uh, my, you know, there was so much fucking food. Uh, my, my in-laws took the rest of the food home, but I, I just had some food at the house. I was kicking it. I was, I was like straight food coma. Um, we're going to get into commercial right now. Uh, rest in peace, my man, Nedic. Shout out Game Rebellion. And condolences to my boy, Ryan Grant, and his mom. <sighs> Fuck on Mother's Day, man. Yeah, Lakey Lake. That That's the perfect music right there. That's the perfect music for me to set the tone let's pay some bills and we'll be right back y'all what's holding you back from the ultimate gaming experience is it hundreds of dollars it costs for your setup or are you the busy on the go type with minutes to spare Level up your game with Backbone, the universal gaming essential that lets you instantly play hundreds of console games on your iPhone, no console required. Backbone is the newest game-changing essential that transforms your iPhone into a handheld console, so you can play anywhere, anytime. 
Simply plug in your iPhone to the backbone and enjoy console quality controls with responsive buttons and triggers, clickable analog sticks, and more as you play Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and App Store games. I've even posted my backbone on Twitter for my super followers because me and my kids are obsessed. Makes things so much easier. If you don't own a console, no problem. Stream hundreds of games like FIFA, Halo, Minecraft, and more through cloud gaming services like Xbox Game Pass, NVIDIA GeForce Now, and Google Stadia. And even if you already have a PlayStation, Xbox, or PC, play games you own with Remote Play or Stream Link app. Experience for yourself what TechCrunch calls the closest we've ever seen to a portable Xbox. Go to playbackbone.com slash baller now to order your backbone until June 30th and get free access to over 350 console games and perks, including one month free of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, one month free of Apple Arcade, two months free of Google Stadia Pro, and three months free of Discord Nitro. Find your next adventure at playbackbone.com slash baller. 93% of your life is spent indoors, but so many of our favorite moments are outdoors. Outer is the new outdoor furniture company designed to get you outdoors more. Outdoors makes the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture all from sustainable materials and is the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. From teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five-star resort, but for less than you'd pay at a big box store or something that won't last. Outer's better in every way because they've spent years perfecting outdoor products. Over 1,000 neighborhood showrooms across the country to see the outer difference in person. And triple memory foam cushions that are comfier than most indoor sofas. Outer's patented built-in outer shell covers protect your furniture from rain and dew. My fire pit and backyard set is on the way as we speak after checking out Outer's virtual showroom. Outer furniture comes with best-in-class warranties like 10 years for their chic aluminum line and a two-week trial with free returns. See the difference at liveouter.com slash baller. Plus, for a limited time, get $300 off and free shipping. This is Outer's best offer anywhere, only available to podcast listeners and only for a limited time. Get $300 off and free shipping at Live. O-U-T-E-R dot com slash baller. That's liveouter.com slash baller. Terms and conditions apply. You know, I don't talk about new music that much because I'm just not really much into new music, you know. Um, I think people, obviously, you know, 200 fucking almost 75 episodes in, you would think you know, unless we're talking about old school shit, right? And obviously, I sent out a tweet because... You know, I was thinking about Jewel. Um, well, actually, they call her Jewel. But Jewel was a, a singer slash rapper on Death Row. And I'll tell you the truth, now that I think about it, she was singing and rapping before Missy was. That's crazy. Uh, she passed away this weekend as well. Um, beautiful soul, talented girl. She was a female, Nate Dog. But uh, I don't talk about new music very much because I'm just not really too big into it, right? Um, new Pusha T album is definitely good. I've listened to it. Um, on purpose New Future album I listened to on accident uh, I'm Nothing that really stuck out You know But I, I'm saying this Because I, I wish I cared more About Kendrick Lamar You know Just something about his music Some of it hits Some of it doesn't I just I, mean, I know he's talented um, Kendrick performed His first concert ever At an event that I Co-produced with DJ Ski Called the MV Expo And this was in 2006 That was Kendrick Lamar's First show ever And it was at a fucking show That I produced it's the most random shit in the world. Uh, me and Kendrick are friends. We're good. But, you know, the new song dropped, the video looks cool. People are just so enamored by it. Like, oh my God, boom. I don't know. It just takes a lot to press me in. Sometimes it doesn't take very much. 
and he's brilliant, but it's like, I don't know, Tyler blows me the fuck away in terms of doing his video, but not a lot of Tyler's music hits me, right? Not doesn't mean anything, right? Like, just because I don't love something, right? And I don't want to say I don't like, just because I don't love something, it doesn't mean it isn't cool, right? Just because my energy might be focused on rare chocolate or rare gummy colas from Europe doesn't mean I'm less aware of how powerful or how electric an artist is, Okay. I just have a lot of things on my mind. There's a lot of information in my mind, in my brain. Do you have any idea? Not a Rolodex. I'm talking about the fucking M1 chip, the Apple M1, 7 million gigafucking bytes. Okay, no, I'm sorry, the 7 trillion terabytes of information in my head. And one thing that's crazy is the hardest, the toughest thing to do is unlearn bad information. Bullshit you might have learned in school. History that was fucking wrong. And remember, just behavioral shit. I grew up in the age of hearing chink and faggot a lot more often on a daily basis. All right? Now, that's not to say that it was right. or I mean, I'm saying, you know, it was better or whatever the fuck it may be. The word chink, even though it doesn't refer to me, it refers to people that are, you know, people say, hey, man, I was surprised to see how few people understood the difference between Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. And, and it was crazy because a lot of people really had no idea. They, they view it as similar. And it's as different as African, you know, I'm sorry, Nigerian, let's say, Haitian, and Jamaican. They're three totally different types. Now, they may look similar, but they really are different types. And there's different hatred towards each other, I'm sure, with different shit. But, you know, we speak different languages. They had totally different cultures. Um, there are some very small similarities here and there outside the color of our skin. But, you know, the proper vernacular, you know, would be calling me a gook, right? You know what I'm saying? But I heard that word chink and faggot a lot. And I know those words are terrible words. At the same time, I wouldn't let it ruin my day. Now, I can't speak on behalf of the LBGTQ community because I'm not gay, right? But, you know, I stopped using the word because I understand how much it fucking offended people. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean anything else. Don't try to make it anything that isn't. Most of the people that try to do a lot of counseling are people who didn't live in the era that I've lived in or are older. That's what the crazy part is, right? Anyways, Super followers on Twitter. Um, I've gained a lot more this week. I have uh, been deleting tweets, and I've been doing that forever. My boy Homicide got me into it. Um, and more so with me, I have, to, I have to deal with all kinds of silly shit. Motherfuckers trying to quote, oh, fucking org. Shut the fuck up. People try to archive shit when I talk shit about the cops or whatever. There have been legal situations. I've been, look, I follow each super follower. So if you super follow me, I follow you back. It might not be immediately, but I will follow you back. So I can't be some random clown, right? If I follow you back and I can see that, you know, you're some on some weirdo shit, I'll block you. And it ain't going to happen. So you ain't going to be able to see. The interaction I'm going to have with super followers is going to be the interaction and the engagement that I strive for, that I highly engage with. Okay. So it's a whole different thing there. Now, um, I just realized that Tokyo Vice was only eight fucking episodes. So it just threw my whole energy off because I didn't really know what the fuck to expect. So the season finale was episode eight and it was such a fucking crazy fucking ending. If there isn't a season two, I'm going to fuck somebody up. So I pray it gets renewed. But I've been looking forward for a new episode. I'm like, where the fuck is episode nine or 10? Boom. That was it. That was season one, eight, eight episodes. Like, what the fuck? HBO Max? Like, like, what are you doing? Now, to even bum me out even more, I had my entire weekend planned. Friday, I had some meetings here and there. After I found out about fucking Netic, I was like, fuck this. Have my golf lesson. I'm like, I'm over it. This fuck this shit. Okay? I'm about to watch Bosch. The greatest fucking LA detective show. One of the greatest TV shows ever in history. In the history of television. Bosch Amazon, the Instagram page, actually messaged me back. And I had cussed them the fuck out. For seven seasons of Bosch, 
they released the entire season the day the show came out. And after the first season, I kind of like caught it a little bit late, I think. Like barely late. I, I still was like, you know, pretty up on it. And then after that, season two, season three, season four, all those, I watched, fucking binge watched. Tried to finish every fucking episode that day. I didn't go to sleep. I didn't give a fuck. Had that shit on the man cave. On the 95 inch. That ain't a flex. It's the truth. And what am I getting at? This new show, the spinoff of Bosch, Bosch Legacy, only gave us four episodes. Do you know how fucking mad I was? I thought I was going to get all 10 or however many. I think there's 11 or something. We got four. And so I said, how the fuck are y'all going to give me four? So pretty much every single week, they're going to give us two episodes until it's over. But there's like a new channel, Free V TV or IMDb, some fucking shit. I don't even care. Just want to watch the show. All right. But they only gave us four episodes. And now Bosch is not a cop anymore. He's a private investigator. His daughter, Maddie, is now a cop. And the four episodes were fucking excellent. And I knew they would be. Right? There's only one season. I think it might have been season five or season six. It might have been season five where I was kind of, or season six maybe, I think, where Bosch was getting a little dry in the beginning. I was like, oh, fuck, man. You know, give me, what's up? Not this. It was good. It was great. But four episodes? So you know what I did? I kind of feel like I breezed through the first four episodes. So I watched the four episodes again just so I was up in tip-top shape, ready to go for next Friday. But I got to wait another week to get these two episodes right. The show is lit. Um, speaking of lit, the Bosch Instagram page messaged me and said that they got picked up for a second season. They got green lit. So it's lit. And they got green lit for a second season of Bosch Legacy. I fucking pray to God it is not. I don't have to wait another fucking year to watch this shit. Because um, the last season dropped in June. Obviously the pandemic probably fucked that up. I don't know how to wait till fucking May. I don't want to wait till the fucking end of the year. Come on, man. Fucking show so goddamn good, man. It was just goddamn. Um, Baller Breaks, my new break show on network was fucking incredible. Shout out to all the BTB Army that watched it. Um, I cannot tell you they did a really good job in the studio, the camera angles, everything. It was really, really good. There's definitely no fucking show. There's no break, okay? There's no person in the hobby that is doing a break like this. It was really done well. It was like this crazy production, three cameras. You know, we gave away a ton of shit. Prices were the best on the fucking internet. I don't want to hear shit from anyone. The price of Flawless, the price of everything. We're breaking Ben Baller cards. Pure, you know, picked up some heat, right? There was some dope-ass shit. Someone picked up a Bo Bichette, um... 7 of 50, I forgot, of 50. Great card for my 2020 um, Tops Chrome. We're going to break some F1 this week. We're going to break some crazy shit. I wish I was at F1. In fact, uh, McLaren asked me to speak on behalf of the NFT drop that they're doing, and they wanted me to come to F1. I couldn't because I have my Bathing Ape collaboration. But back to Baller Breaks. I'll be back this Thursday, live on the network app again at um, 7 p.m. We'll go 7 to 9 again, and then we'll just break whenever we can. And it's going to be lit, and we're going to have a good fucking time. So shout out to Network. Shout out to my boy Aaron Levant. Shout out to Jamie Ivine. Um, shout out to Gascon. And yeah, Baller Breaks was really, really fun. So make sure you guys tune in. Uh, congratulations to Backyard Breaks for hitting the $4 million triple logo man. Uh, hand claps there, hand claps, hand claps. $4 million triple logo man, LeBron James card. Um, I don't know if Drake has even made an offer on it yet, but there's definitely a bounty on it for at least three or so. So uh, pretty crazy that it was pulled. I'm going to pull, we're going to break some shit on here. We're going to find some heat in that box of flawless. So I'm not really tripping. What I am tripping on though is crypto, it's in a shit soup right now. Nice and steamy, diarrhea, nasty, it's like taking a diarrhea bath, right? And, you know, I didn't really want to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up on a daily basis on Twitter like the rest of the crypto community does, how they go so crazy on Twitter. Because you know what? You want to know why? Because I'm not going to sell any of my crypto. 
all right? <laughs> I'm not going to sell any of my cryptocurrency. I'm not selling any of my NFTs. Maybe in 10 years, you know? Like, maybe. And that's if I want to get out of the game completely. But I doubt it, right? A lot of my money's in Tesla stock as well. If anything, I'm going to buy more crypto. If that motherfucker drops a little bit more, I'm going to buy more Bitcoin, more Ethereum. And I already have a lot, but it's all good. You know, that's where I'm at with it. It's funny, you know, I was, you know, obviously I had my Bathing Ape collaboration and then I had my event. So I didn't get to watch the Canelo fight. And I think most of you people do know. I don't know why some people don't know. I've never liked Canelo. Didn't like Canelo. And I remember being at the fight and saying what I had to say. You know, people, oh, he's so fucked. Shut the fuck up. Motherfuckers going for a title belt at 19, at 27. I don't give a fuck what your age is. If you step up, do your motherfucking job. You find for a belt. Nobody gives a fuck how old you are. You could be 50. You went up to motherfucking battle. All right, dog, either win or shut the fuck up. But I just don't like Canelo. I'm not really a big fan of that gingerhead, red hot. The fuck is that fucking cinnamon ass uh, candy? Is it red hot? I forgot the fuck it's called. Anyways, look, just because, guys, I just got a fucking cramp in my leg while sitting in the fucking man cave in the studio. I don't know what the fuck just happened, man. It's karma from fucking George Lopez because all of a sudden George likes Canelo when he wasn't a big fan of that motherfucker. Look, just because I don't like Canelo does not mean I don't respect or like Mexicans or the Mexican community. You know how fucking stupid that is? Has to be one of the dumbest fucking thought processes ever in history, okay? I just hate that ginger bitch-ass motherfucker. Don't like that dude. He ain't humble like people think. He's a good boxer, for sure. He's an animal. He does his thing, whatever. And I, I like what, you know, what he said about Ryan Garcia. He does. You know, I can agree with someone I don't like. That's fine. But don't get it fucked up. I've seen his team enough to where like, dude, dude lives next to a country club in San Diego, lives in Del Mar, plays golf, is pretty good. It's actually really good. Probably one of the best golfers that boxes professionally, okay? Dude is definitely, you know, knows what time it is, has an eye for watches, he knows what's up. Ain't no motherfucking way. Ain't no way his team ain't giving him the best of the best. You ate some contaminated meat that had some fucking performance enhancing drugs in it? Cap. Stop the cap. Look. Canelo got his motherfucking ass beat. I had to go to YouTube after to watch the entire shit. Yeah, he stepped up the weight class. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if he said he was going to fucking fight somebody with fucking, you know, 10 fucking Snickers in his fucking pants. Once you enter that ring, ain't no excuses. He got his ass beat. They try to make the scorecards kind of like, yeah, he unanimously lost. But you see the scorecards? Come on, man. He got his ass whooped. Shit ain't got nothing to do with my motherfucker. You crazy? I talked about Korean zombie. I said that shit was fucking embarrassing. You think I'm tripping the motherfuckers talking about, oh, fuck Korean zombie, blah, blah, blah. You think that shit affects me? You think I'm going to get mad at you? You think I'm going to get mad at some fucking dude because he's black and be like, oh, fuck Korean zombie. Fuck Korean zombie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, ain't nobody no heroes national just because of that. Like, you motherfuckers associate shit too much and you set yourself up for drama. Fuck out of here. Anyways. NBA playoffs, definitely getting good. I'm watching this fucking Dallas, you know, um, Phoenix playoff series, and it just, like, doesn't do anything for me. But I do know that CP3 got heated and was about to whoop a little 13, 14-year-old boy's ass. You know what? If that boy gets his ass whooped, let him get his ass whooped. Motherfuckers are too comfortable doing some bullshit. I love that line. Don't throw rocks and then hide your hands. That's all that shit that goes on the internet. You hide behind that fucking, as Cuffs the Legend would call it, dog avatar, right? You, know, you hide behind that bird avatar, Twitter. I'm not fucking with that bullshit, you know? But as far as that series go, trash. I don't give a fuck. I hope Dallas wins. Fuck Phoenix. Expose that fucking, I don't give a fuck. But I feel for Chris Paul for that bullshit, right? Especially on Mother's Day. So I'm fucking with his mama. GSW Memphis, I, I don't know now. You know? I'm not saying Jordan Poole's a dirty player. I didn't say I'm not saying that at all. That shit definitely has something to do with that motherfucker's leg being, you know, fucked up. There's an area where they show, oh, this is where it really happened. That shit didn't make it any better after. So, you know, I think that shit's a wrap now. 
I can't see Memphis coming back. I don't know what the fuck's going on with Ja. But I'm not mad at GSW goals, right? Um, but on the Western end anyway, I want GSW to, you know what I'm saying? I want either GSW or Memphis to win. And then I think if GSW wins, they're going to beat Dallas or fucking Phoenix anyway. So we go there. Boom. Okay. Now, Miami and Philly, you know, I don't like Miami. I don't give a fuck about Miami. I wouldn't mind seeing a Miami fucking Golden State thing, but I, I really don't want to. Okay. And Philly didn't have Embiid for the first two games. You guys obviously know that. So now series is tied 2-2. You know what that means? It means it's 0-0, bitch. And there's three games left. So it's 0-0 and there's three games left and Embiid is playing. Let's see what the fuck happens. Now, Milwaukee and Boston, you know, I don't like fucking Milwaukee, but guess what? It don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Let's see what happens tonight. Let's see what happens if Boston could fucking pull it out. And if they pull a 2-2, then you know it's anyone's games. But this shit is getting crazy. I just think right now this GSW Memphis shit went from being the best to being who fucking knows because we don't know Ja's status. Well, as of this podcast, we don't know. But anyways, guys, I want to say thank you again. I know I've been saying this, but we do have video coming. We do have um, interviews coming. But I have been enjoying doing this podcast on a personal level. I'm not doing this for views. I'm not doing this for the charts anymore. I'm not doing the clickbait. I'm here to engage with the BTB army. I'm here to give free game. People want to find about it and be like, oh shit, this helped me out. All right, cool. Yeah, man, Ben was spitting some real shit. That's all I want to do. Just want to give you guys free game. Talk about what goes on in my life. Talk about my successes, my failures. And if I can do it, then you can do it too, motherfucker. That's how, how much I believe in y'all. All right, so make it a great fucking Monday. Put it in, you know. I'll see you guys back on Thursday. And again, I love you guys. Lastly, rest in peace to my dear friend, Netic. All right, y'all, we are out of here. Lakey Lake, I appreciate you, fam. Uh, see you guys later, man. Peace. <laughs>